I uh, see, uh, most of you may not know, but the uh, chief of the Lakeland Fire Department, Gary Ballard, he and his wife are members here, but he retired uh, recently after 30, 34, 40, 40. So in other words, don't take 10 years from me. It's 40 years. But Gary, would you stand? Would you let him know how much we appreciate his service for 40 years? Lakeland Fire Department. Gary Ballard, everybody. He knows every part of a fire truck. He knows what they ought to look like in all those years of dedication and commitment. And it's, it's just good to have the caliber of people that, that all of you are who are a part of Victory Church. And Gary, of course, after all those years, decided to, uh, to hang it up. I have a reason for saying that because in his retirement speech and address and what he said in the paper, he said, one of the things I'm going to do is be able to get more involved in my church. So uh, he's going <laughs> to so set the pace for all of you other people who need to get involved in the church. So I want to say thank you. It's amazing because I believe God's Word. I believe there should be a marked difference in a person who is a proclaimer of Christianity than the average person who, who do not claim to follow Jesus Christ. I think our behavior ought to be different on a consistent basis. I think our lifestyle ought to be different. I think our opinions and I think our perspective, I think our worldview should be different than a person who's a non-believer. I think we ought to be changed as it relates to our relationship with God. And for you and I to be different from the culture in which we live in will take a concerted effort. It will take a concerted effort on your commitment to say, I do not want to remain the same as those who may not be followers. I want my life to spell out to be viewed as a person that's different. That doesn't make you better. You, I mean, you know what I'm talking about. But being different in how you live out your life. And so when I see uh, people who are proclaimers, followers of Jesus Christ, and you can't see any different in their lifestyle and in their opinion, I sometimes wonder, well, what was it that you got? Because here's what I know. <laughs> You can't put your hand in a 110, well, let's forget that, in a 220 without being changed forever. How many understand that? You will have a memory for whatever finger you put in that socket. It won't be there anymore. It ate up an inch and a half of my screwdriver when I did that one time. It just ate it up. I saved it to remember what it's like to have that experience. I think the empowerment of this gospel ought to cause us to do things in disciplines that people that are not followers are not aware of. I think commitment ought to be our word, our bond. And I, I think that as John in the Isle of Patmos, that whether we have anybody there to encourage us or not, 
we ought to be true and faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ, that we serve Him, that we honor Him. And in tight decisions, in tight decisions, we say, well, I don't, is this right? Is this wrong? We ought to take the high road and say, I'd rather be found going the extra mile than trying to squeeze out to see if I can walk that line that separates the unbelieving to the believing. And tonight, often, it takes choose positive as we talk about attitudes. It's the beginning of the year. Uh, we talk about the service this morning. God gave us a wonderful service in both services and the altars in that second service, first service people, the second service people came. Many people online responded, and we're grateful to God for that. 200, 200 and, 200 and what? 12, thank you. Three of you remembered. 212 degrees. 210 degrees is not going to do it. Being a fair-weather Christian is not going to do it. You're going to have to be at 212 degrees. And if in your Christian life you're trying to compromise out how you can live at 210, it really doesn't matter. You'll never really boil and see the supernatural power of God until you decide to say, I'm going not for 212. That's the bottom. I'm going for everything that I can get. So let's try this on for size. Things seem to turn out best for those who make the best of the way things turn out. How you feel about that? I'll read it again. It says, things seem to turn out best for those who make the best of the way things turn out. Living life, someone said to me today, that's life. Absolutely. Say it in the right attitude. That's life. You see, our decision is a worldview. It's not based on any individual circumstance or any individual season that we're in now. Every person that you know, every person that I know has an attitude. We understand that. Is it possible for a person to have a bad attitude and not know it? I don't know. I would, I would debate that question because I think if you've got a stinking bad attitude, you probably know it. Because there ought to be enough people around you that know and love you to say, you know what you need to do? You need to get a better attitude because your attitude what? Stinks. You all with me? You liking this so far? Okay, here we go. I don't hear many amens, so get your hymnals out. <laughs> what causes a person to be known for a bad attitude? And here's another. Can God use a person productively if they have a bad, bad, bad spirit or bad attitude, and just how much damage can a bad attitude do in a family, in a business, in a church, in a relationship? And as believers, we're encouraged, if not required by God, to show up and be happy no matter what the circumstances are and maintain a positive attitude. Well, you mean we have to do that all the time? Why not? 212-degree people do. Paul is a good example for our story. Out of the book there, Writings of Philippians, he's in a Roman prison. You have no idea, unless you visited some of those places, what that might have been like. He is innocent. He done, he's done nothing wrong, and yet he's chained as a criminal. And in that prison, chained to that Roman soldier, 
he writes to the church at Philippi. He writes 104 verses of inspiration and mentioning joy 14 times in the book of Philippians. 14 times. He had every reason to have a bad attitude, to be angry at God, to be angry at fellow church members, but he wasn't. And we look at his life and we think, wow, that is unbelievable. Well, that may be just he was a positive guy. Paul was a brilliant individual. He knew what reality was. He knew what bad circumstances was. But listen, he was changed miraculously by the power of God that visited him and flung him to the ground and blinded him. And his life was forever changed. Now, how do you recognize what some people might say in developing a bad attitude? Some people are really good about developing a bad attitude. Let me give you just four things. Make your attitude contingent upon your circumstances. So no one sent you a Christmas card. Hello? No one thanked you because you ushered. No one said thank you because you gave them a Christmas gift. You develop your attitude based upon circumstances. Here's what often people do. I'll get a better attitude when I get all my ducks in a row. I'll get a better attitude when I, I get enough money to be able to enjoy life. Right now I'm in misery because I have to pick and choose what bills I'm going to pay. You put tithing up there first, friend. And when I'm on a roll, when I'm really on a roll and I have made my heyday, I want to have a great attitude then. Or, or when I reach the goal that I'm striving for right now, it's difficult. I'm going to have a bad attitude. You are never going to have a good attitude until you choose, no matter what the circumstances, I know who I am and I know what God expects of me and I want my life to reflect the love of Jesus Christ. Somebody help me out. Number two, you choose to wallow in worry. You choose to wallow in worry you view the worst case in every scenario. How many of you know somebody like that? I mean, my Lord of mercy, if a truck rolled up to their house and unloaded a million dollars, it would not make them happy. They want to know why they, why they didn't get the one and a half million. Worst case scenario. Well, well, how difficult is that? Or don't trust God. Really put your trust out there. Or you protect your position of fear. Never seen anything like this. Or you give yourself permission to be tyrannized by the power of fear that nothing good is ever going to happen. It's just not going to happen. Jeff's grandmother passed away this morning, Meemaw. Isn't that right? Meemaw. Jeff said since she was 30, this is humorous, you'll understand. Every time the family would come and visit Meemaw, ever since she was 30, she would say, well, give me a hug or give me a kiss or Say hello, because I, I may not be around next time y'all come. <laughs> Jeff said she loved to go to the doctor. She loved to go to the emergency room. She loved, she was never in ICU. Jeff said we gave her points for going to the doctor. Meemaw, you get 50 points on that one. She just loved all that. Here's the problem. Even at 30, she would say, you know what, eventually you may not see me again. She died this morning about 7.30. How old was she, Jeff? 89 years of age. I mean, from 30 to 89. But you know what? Meemaw was one that everybody in the family, we loved her. She visited here all those years. 
Did she do that on purpose? I don't know. But here's what I do know. She inspired people to serve God like no one ever did. My friend, be the kind of person that you are contagious and do not give yourself permission to get in the mully grubs. Here's another. Put your needs ahead of others. You can develop a bad attitude by just putting your needs ahead of everybody else. Adopt an it's all about me philosophy. You ever been to family reunions? There are seven people at the table, and there are eight pork chops on the plate. And everybody knows in the family that when he goes by this certain person, they're going to take two pork chops. Everybody else is going to get one of the plates. How many of you know somebody like that? You know what it takes for me? It takes everything within me to keep a good attitude when the pork chop plate gets to them and they take two. <laughs> Y'all getting my point? Understand, I'm saying, Lord Jesus, whatever, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd like to tell them. How I many to think, feel like you want to be a coach? I'd like, hey, come over here. Bring your pork chop with you. <laughs> I want to talk to you. Put your needs ahead of others. It's all about me. Or be determined that you're going to rule your own life. I don't need the church. I don't need the preacher. I don't, I don't need anybody. I'm going to rule my life the way that I think it ought to be. I'm going to be convinced that others help me get. I wouldn't be this way if it hadn't been for my old lady. Who is your old lady? I hope right before she exits, she takes a ball bat and gives you an understanding. You notice how I worried that because we're online. I want to be careful. I don't believe in abuse unless it's necessary. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you understand? It's like I'm going to rule, and, and I'm that way because she made me that way. Are we convinced, of course, that, uh, that, that taking control because no one else will come and give you a helping hand. Here's number four. Don't get involved. I'm an attitude I'm never going to get involved. How much you talk about get involved? Because why? Because I got hurt the last time I got involved. Or, hey, I don't agree with everything they do down there at the church. I don't agree with what my boss does. I don't agree with all the things that's going on in the family, so I'm just not going to be a part of the family. And the rest of the family says, hallelujah. <laughs> not going to get involved. Only a few anyway really matter around here. You see, when I make these statements, I can put faces with them. <laughs> Here's another. They're unfriendly. They're absolutely unfriendly. Wow. Unfriendly, I think we're one of the friendliest churches in America. And my friend said, I got one and two friends. That's all I got tonight. Even Larry Dobbs didn't say amen. So how do you remain positive? You see, this is stuff we know, but it's stuff you're going to have to remember. Because in this message series and what we have planned by the vision of God for this coming year, getting at 212 degrees and boiling there, your attitude will be attacked on every side in every circumstance. I love the illustration. It's the best I've ever read it's the little leaguer who's out of the outfield. It's the first game of the season. 
He's fielding the ball, just a long hit out against the fence. He's running. He fires it back to the infield. And he's running. He's hot and he's sweaty. But he's getting the job done. And the guy stands out there and he yells at him and said, hey, how's it going? It's going great. He said, what's the score? And the young boy said, hey, it's 17 to nothing, their favor. He said, wow, are you ready to just give up and call the game? 17 to nothing? He said, absolutely not. We haven't even been up to bat yet. Wait, wait till we get up to bat. Don't you love that? Hey, if you think 17 to nothing means anything, you wait till we get up to bat. Don't you know, don't you know that God loves to uh, re uh, uh, release spirit-filled, anointed people into this dark world that has the kind of attitude? It doesn't make any difference what it looks like out there. doesn't make any difference what NBC, CBS, ABC, NSNBC, this one it doesn't make anything. We have not been up to bat yet. Hallelujah. But it's coming, and it's coming soon. Amen. One day the sky's going to open. Hallelujah. And the dead in Christ are going to rise and those of us who are alive and remain are going to come back. We're going to go up in the air. But get this, and we are going to come back and rule and reign when he brings judgment. We are going to be with him. We have not been up to bat yet, but it's coming and it's coming soon by the grace of God. Paul says, have that attitude. It's hard for us to comprehend the real circumstances of Paul but let me say this, joy is intentional. Turn to your neighbor and say that. Joy is intentional. It's intentional. Philippians 1.18, what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. I'm chained but I will continue. He starts his letter out in Philippians 1, 3, and 4. I thank my God every time I remember you in all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy. Why? It's intentional. I stay joyful. I pray with intention. I'm not talking about happiness. I'm talking about real joy. Happiness is, as we know, is hap. That word, Latin word, that's help and chance, it means happiness based on happenings. But joy is totally different from that. It is an inner delight that is derived from an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Let me tell you, if you expect to be happy, happy, happy every single day, you've set a goal higher than you're going to be able to comprehend. But joy is that inner stream that flows from the throne of God that cannot be squelched, that cannot be tamed. It's that joy that says it doesn't matter what's happening out here. My heart has been broken and I have been crushed, but I know the joy of the Lord is my strength. And that joy is bigger than that circumstance. It will take me through. It's that settled peace that keeps balance in the storm of hurt, pain, and disappointment. And so we find in James 1, verse 2, Jesus' brother, consider it pure joy, brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. And faith, friend, cannot really be trusted 
Your faith cannot really be trusted unless it's tested. Here's a number two. God's attitude infiltrates. It infiltrates. Philippians 1, 6, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. That's key. He is in control. He will carry it on, the word completion. I'll mention it in a moment. When we bow our hearts to Jesus and we, Lord Jesus, come into my heart, he then infiltrates our lives. And if your life does not change and there's no manifestation of changed behavior, changed attitude, changed lifestyle, then my friend, you did not bow to the right God. A religious experience will not stand up to the test of life. But a relationship with Jesus Christ will keep you safe in the middle of the storm. He said his attitude, as I understand the reading and the deep study of the Word, his attitude infiltrates our hearts and minds. His attitude Paul was not Jesus, but look at Paul's attitude. Paul said, take a look at Jesus, the Son of the living God. His attitude infiltrates my life. So what's your language been lately? How have you been talking lately? You've been talking like a down-and-outer, a loser? You've been talking like you've lost everything? You've been complaining and murmuring and grumbling about what you don't have? You keep that up, friend, and before long, what you say will become a reality in your life, if not already. What you need to be doing, what we all need to be doing in the midst of those kinds of circumstances is dig deep into the river of joy and say, God, I don't understand it. I feel like I've been shortchanged. I feel like a lot of things, but here's what I know. There is a better day ahead, and this joy is unquenchable and will give me what I need until the end. We bow our hearts. His attitude is grafted into our lives. That word completion, there it is. He says this so that we understand in that particular scripture to completion, he says, that will carry it out to completion until the day of Christ. It's the same word, the same word there that is the word of it is finished. He said, I will graft my joy into you until it is finished. And it's not finished until the day you breathe your last breath. God's continually grafting into you. And when your attitude is not that of Jesus, then you're allowing a barrier to chip away and to stymie what God desires to do. So let's take a look. Spells it out pretty good in Philippians 2, 5, and 8 in the message. He says, okay, frame this. He says, think of yourselves the way Christ Jesus thought of himself. He had equal status with God, but didn't think so much of himself that he had to cling to the advantages of that status no matter what. Had he claimed that status when they were ready to crucify him and take his life, you've heard the song, he could have called 10,000 angels. but he didn't. He didn't use his status to take himself 
off the cross. He may remain committed, not at all. When the time came, he set aside the privileges of deity and took on the status of a slave, became human. Having become human, he stayed human. It was an incredible, humbling process. Doesn't that make you feel good? We humans, that he became a human, it was a humbling process. Next time you look in the mirror and say, good Lord, have mercy. What a creation you created, God. Remember, it humbled him to become somebody like you and me. Humbled himself. He didn't claim special privileges. Instead, he lived a selfless, obedient life and then died a selfless, obedient death. The worst kind of death at that, a crucifixion. So in 2018, I want to care what he cares about. I want to gladly be a servant. I want to gladly have the privilege and see sacrifice as a privilege. And I want to set an example of joy. And that comes through the infiltration of Jesus in my life and his love in us. And that brings out the true emotion of loving God and his church. I love church. Don't you? I love you. I love coming to church. I love the church because it's the bride of Christ. I enjoy it. It fires me up. It gets me going. Tim came out on the announcement tonight. I thought, what's he been drinking? <laughs> came out all excited and high-pitched and ready to go. I said, well, thank God. Amen? Set, set the level high. Let's get excited about it. Thank God he didn't come out here and say, well, ain't much happening around here, y'all. You know, we got a few classes on Wednesday night. You can read it for yourself if you don't mind. You know, and we got a clay shoot. None of you men need to show up because we got a woman in the church can outshoot all of y'all. <laughs> Amen? You know, Pastor did a, you know, okay job this morning. I would have come right out on stage right then. <laughs> you see, how beautiful are the feet of those who declare the gospel. Number three, enthusiasm is important. It's important. Some people are more enthused over a game tomorrow night than they have been about church in a long time. You know, I, here's my prophecy. You ready for my prophecy? There's going to be a winner. There's going to be a loser. There you have it. And for just $100, I'll tell you who the winner is going to be. <laughs> I, I felt the spirit of an evangelist come over me. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I have a lot of evangelists that are friends. Because of my chains, because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the Word of God more courageously and fearlessly. Paul said, I'm looking at my chains not as a detriment, but because I have my chains, the people out there are willing to take their place. They're not chained, and they're preaching more courageously and more fearlessly because of what they have seen me go through. That enthusiasm... <clears throat> That is unbelievable. The question is, do we have something to be enthused about? 
If your enthuser is not working, it's broke. If he infiltrates joy in you, enthusiasm is an automatic. Amen? Hello? It's an automatic. It's just an automatic. You see, enthusiasm comes from two words, in, meaning in, and theos, meaning God. And what does that mean? It means if we are in Christ, we can only then be filled with enthusiasm that lasts because we are in Christ and He is in us. So that enthusiasm, we share it, we spread it. People need it. People are in the misery index in our culture today. It's unbelievable. More teenagers committing suicide than ever. You know why? The dreams that they thought they were going to enjoy, they believe it's never going to happen, and they see so much of a dichotomy between what people say and what people do that it is unbelievable. Enthusiasm. I am glad for the love of Jesus. Here's number four. Positive attitude advances the gospel. Advances the gospel. Philippians 1.12. Now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Okay? Think about it. Whatever you're going through, whatever's a reality, whatever season, if it's not the most exciting season, here's what Paul says about it. He said, what's happened to me, and we know that it's not good from the natural eye, what's happened to me really serves to advance the gospel. What a privilege I have. What a wonderful opportunity it is to enjoy the Lord. Even though Paul was in prison, chained to that Roman guard, he still declares what happened served to advance the gospel. The word advance, what is that? We, we deal with that. We understand he chose not to fret, not to complain, not to worry, not to have a bad attitude. He chose to allow the flow of the Holy Spirit to be relevant in his life. His contentment, his joy was not based on the circumstance. The word advance is a term that's used for an advanced team. For example, in the military, an advanced team in the army, it's a well-used term, to advance so that they clear the underbrush, so that the passage for the soldiers and the equipment will be smooth. That group goes ahead so that the passage will be better with them going before, advancing, so the rest of the military can come up from behind. And this is what, this is exactly what he's talking about here. Paul said, I helped advance the gospel. My chain spurred on people that would have never preached the gospel, but because I am in chains, they thought, hey, want to do it. And when they saw my letter, they were encouraged by it. When they saw my attitude, they were encouraged by it. Why? It advanced the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's what we're all about. Advancing the gospel. So how do we do that? Our attitude, our joy, our enthusiasm, our dedication, our spirit of cooperation will clear the underbrush. It will clear the underbrush of doubt and unbelief and apathy. And when others, here it is, others in the church hasn't caught it yet, we will remain strong and committed to clear the path for them so they will have the privilege of having testimonies like ours. Look what God has done. A precious gal was in service this morning. 
She was a foster child with one of our families. She's been away from here for maybe 20 years. She was a little girl then. She came up to me, hugged my neck. I'm back. Now listen. After 20 years, people change from a little girl to probably 26, 27 years of age. She's different. Of course, she said, I look the same. But uh, that's a compliment to all of Olay. (laughs) She said this, it feels the same today in here as it did 20 years ago. I feel the love of God. May I suggest to you, there are a lot of people who need that experience, and you and I are an integral part. So I'm asking you a great core tonight. Our fasting and prayer, talk it up. Our time of casting vision, talk it up. Our time of reaching souls, talk it up. Our time of accelerating the process because we believe Jesus is coming, talk it up. So that we spread that enthusiasm and that joy to some who may be having a rough time. And we can tell them that by the grace of God, the only way to live is to live completely in Him. Amen? And enjoy the life. Heavenly Father, thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit or your Holy Spirit. We pray in the name of Jesus because tonight here and online, there are people that are listening who, who took this message to heart. And some have served notice by the Holy Spirit that there's some things that they need to make some decisions about and determine to get them in order to be great representatives for the cause of Christ. There is nothing in our lives that ought to impede the joy of the Lord. It might come in and take away our happiness for a period of time, but that joy will rebuild the momentum that we need to be able to rise up and say in faith that, God, you are greater than all of my problems, and that we exalt you, and that we love you, and that we are redeemed by the grace of the Lord. And God, tonight, as we prepare two weeks of fasting and prayer, we are believing enthusiastically as we come to the place of filling out prayer cards that when we fill them out, we're going to fight the attitude that says, well, I filled one out last year and nothing ever happened. But for that to take place, we would have to be wiser than God and we would have to set a limit on God for just so a year may have passed In God's timeline, it may not be time, but our faith says we're going to take a step of faith, we're going to complete them, and we're going to believe you, that you're going to answer prayer, and we're going to trust you. We're not going to worry about what people say, and we're not going to get caught up with the naysayers. We're going to hold hand in hand to the love of Jesus Christ and claim him as our Lord and Savior. I'm going to ask you to just repeat this prayer after me. Would you do this? Dear Jesus, Dear Jesus I, need your help. I need your help. In some areas I struggle, some areas I struggle 
But tonight, I'm going to lean on you. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to believe you. I'm going to dedicate myself completely to you. So help me with my language, with my attitude, with my behavior, with my lifestyle. Let it be pleasing to you. In Jesus' name, I claim this by the authority of your word and my faith. In Jesus' name, In Jesus name. Amen. amen. Amen? Amen, everybody? Now, you have the prayer card. Everybody have a prayer card? You get them? How many do, do not have a prayer card? Okay, if you don't have a prayer card, we're going to have in the altar in a few minutes. But I'm going to ask you for a few moments to take a prayer card out we have staff meeting on Tuesday. And I'm going to ask you, the name is optional, to put down some prayer needs on those prayer cards. And on the back, it's blank. On the back, if you desire, boy, I've got a great testimony. Write that testimony out. Just do something, and let's be enthused and excited, and let's believe God. Tonight could be the night. The next two weeks, the phenomenal supernatural could take place. We trust you. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to sing a song or two. Just a little worship. Give you time to work on the card. If you don't have a prayer card, raise your hand. Ushers will come through, and they'll give, give you. They'll do that now. We're going to worship. Give you a moment to respond with these cards. Would you do that? Here we go. Let's worship. Peace we come to pray and to seek the Lord today for salvation from His hand. For the healing of our land, let us pray, let us pray. to see the Lord today. 
salvation from his hand for the healing of our land. Let us pray. Let us pray. Let us pray. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. like for you to do if you've completed a card is uh, just bring it put it on the altar and um, say well I haven't got it completed yet still bring it at the end and then I'd like to ask our altar workers to come back and I'm going to ask this if you have a need that you've lost control and you cannot manage it, that need or circumstance is taken on a personality of its own. And that personality does not reflect, it represents heartache and pain and difficulty and a threat. Bring that need down whatever that is, in Jesus' name, and let us rebuke the devil with you, that God will, in Jesus' name, hallelujah, take that need and command his voice to control and cause that need to be rebuked by the authority of Jesus' name. That could be a person, it could be a job, anything. You know exactly what I'm speaking about. And let God deal with it. It could be the power of lust or some habit, that personality that is so contrary to who you are. Let's get rid of it. So we sing this song one more time or another song. You bring the cards down, and if you need prayer, you come down right now. We're going to pray for you. Would you do that? Worthy, worthy to receive our praise. Holy, if you need prayer, these altar workers are here. Holy, holy, you're the Son of God. You are awesome, God. 
So I'm going to offer a prayer, and I want to explain something to you. Anytime you take a step out of the ordinary to break a routine or turn the burner so you're going to boil at 212, here's what will happen. The devil is not afraid of you. He doesn't fear. The only thing he fears is Jesus. The devil's not a quitter. He doesn't get filled with apathy. He's on mission all the time. And the minute that you and I begin to take a step of faith out of the ordinary, which is fasting and praying and bearing down on the prayer, I promise you it will aggravate the powers of darkness. He will not sit idly by and let us get away with that. So I'm asking you, this is not just a season. This is Ephesians 6 battle. That's biblical. It's Ephesians 6 battle, fight. So, well now you're scaring me, Pastor. Well, it's time you got scared. Amen? It's time you said, hey, I'm, I'm gonna walk where I've never walked before. I know that every time. So we are going to pray a prayer of favor and covering over you right now. And I'm going to expect you as your pastor. Pastor, I'm going to turn the burner up. You're going to count on me for fasting and prayer because here's what I know. The devil cannot scare me because I'm in the palm of the hand 
of the one that covers me with his blood, covers me with his power, covers me with his presence. I'm in his hand. And the devil cannot lay a hand on me except I give him permission. And he's not getting that. So, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, as I hold my hand up, symbolically of declaring that we are in the palm of the hand of Jesus Christ. I don't know what the next two weeks is going to look like for some people. There's going to be some that they're going to give it all they've got. There's going to be some that's going to negotiate. But here's what I do know. Whatever we do in Jesus' name is not appreciated by the power of darkness. We stand on your word because we know that greater is he than is in us than he that is in the world. The enemy does not control. My God controls everything. And if any other power creates control, it's control that Jesus, God, gave. So I pray a covering over our entire church, a covering over every family, covering over every boy, every girl, every man, every woman. I pray covering over every business, I pray covering over our minds. I pray covering over our physical bodies. I plead the blood over us. And God, we declare to the enemy, you are defeated. I'm not defeating you. I cannot defeat you. But the one that I serve has already defeated you. And I remind you of that, enemy, by the power and authority of the word in me, he has infiltrated my life. You are a liar. You are not welcome. You have no place in my life. In my family, I declare victory that comes in Jesus Christ. Father, we commit to that fasting and prayer because we believe that something supernatural, something the enemy's been holding back from us, that God is going to release it and let the power flow and redemption flow and healing flow and miracles flow by the supernatural presence of a loving, mighty God. And then we pray over all of these cards. No need is greater than your ability, God, to be able to bring to pass supernatural miracle. In Jesus' name, if you believe that, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet and say it with me, in Jesus' name. Let's say it together. Say it together, in Jesus' name. Now let's give the Lord a clap offering and thank Him for His goodness and mercy. Amen. Amen. Turn to somebody and be friendly and say, God is on the throne. Love you, everybody. Thanks for being here.